Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Amin's Rule of Two, that's right, this is the exclusive Patreon podcast that explains all things Star Wars, uh, we've been obviously been doing the Mandalorian Season 2 talk, but hey, guess what, we've got new non-Mandalorian related content to talk about, let's start with that, Maze. Oh man, Investor Day last week for Disney was a doozy. They announced a whole slate of Marvel shit, but we don't care about that on this podcast. We're only talking about the Star Wars content. We got a bunch of new shows, a couple new movies. Obviously, Mando, Mandalorian, the tremendously successful show. Season 3 will drop Christmas Day, Christmas Day 2021. They're already filming it, they're already making it, and it'll be back next year. And probably the most surprising news of all to me... We already knew Obi-Wan Kenobi was coming. We already knew it was starring Ewan McGregor. We already knew it was going to be directed by Deborah Chow, who did Chapter 3 and Chapter 7 of Mando. But guess who's back, Amin? Oh, for all of those people who were preteens and early teens in the early 2000s, that heartthrob of a man is back. Anakin Skywalker himself, Hayden Christensen makes his long-awaited Star Wars return. You know, for a long time, he didn't want nothing to do with it. Yeah, man. I mean, he <laughs> the world shit on him <laughs> so hard. And I still think it was George's fault. I think George kind of pushed him in that direction. Didn't help him by not giving him any dialogue. But he hasn't been too busy, so I imagine his schedule was pretty clear. 
Well, hold on. He was in Takers. The, the, uh, that was a decade ago. The movie that we did for Cinephobe. Uh, check out Cinephobe. Me, May, Zach Harper. We talk about movies. You're afraid to admit you love, like Takers, which was apparently a decade ago. Did not know that. His last credit on IMDb here was the voice of Anakin Skywalker in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Yeah, he's one of the whispering voices at the end when Ray is trying to, like, gather her strength and get up he made a shitty little movie called little italy why is it shitty um great question i mean he's got his hair dyed jet black okay and he's dating emma roberts and sounds like a win so far competing pizza restaurants i mean i think we just found our next cinephobe okay there it is future cinephobe little italy you know the the big thing about uh hayden christensen though and really everyone who had something to do with the prequels, there are two things that have really rewritten history. One is uh, something deliberate, and one I think is actually accidental, Maze. The deliberate is the creation and the real kind of deep dive of Clone Wars, the television series. It really fleshed out and made the prequels make sense in a way that, as they were when they came out, were just kind of a little bit of a mess, right? Because, you know, the story in the prequels is actually really top-notch. It's just the dialogue and the character development and, you know, the script in general wasn't very strong. Um, And so Clone Wars has done an amazing job of fleshing it out and making all of these things, you know, cleaning up where where the prequels kind of fell off and, and did not satisfy. The other maze, though, is... The people who grew up, their first Star Wars experience going to the theaters was the prequels. They had grown up now. And for them, they loved it when they were six, seven, eight years old. But now these people are, you know, in their mid to late 20s. And I think that's really, I don't think anyone anticipated that while most of the older generations, myself included, were like, these prequels are terrible. It's nothing like that. Nothing will ever come close to whatever. That for this younger generation, it was a world of wonder and amazing. And it opened them into the Star Wars universe. And so now if you uh, are like me and you're on Instagram, you follow these Star Wars meme accounts, many of them are are very pro-prequel and look fondly upon things that happen in the prequels. And I think that changing demographic has helped Hayden Christensen kind of reconcile with Star Wars. Yeah, I saw Phantom Menace on my 10th birthday. I mean, oh, what'd you think? What a 10th birthday it was. I loved it. I loved the pod racing. I played the pod racer video game. I was pretty in on it. So it was, it was definitely my time. You are the demo. I mean, like for me, I went and I was very excited to see Phantom Menace and I walked out and I said, what the fuck was that? <laughs> I mean, it, it it was awful. But as I've gotten older, as I've learned to kind of pick up on what the plot is rather than just snazzy dialogue and, and uh, you know, not so racist uh, characters. Uh, um, and as I watched Clone Wars, I've learned to appreciate the prequels for what they are. A great template for a great story, but not necessarily great storytelling in and of themselves. So Obi-Wan Kenobi set 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. Production is set for March 2021. 
we're both excited for this, right? Yeah, I, I just my question is, um, what is okay? So Hayden Christensen is back. In what sense? I guess that's that's the, because to me, if they had just said Obi Wan Kenobi is on its way, Deborah Chow is a showrunner, and Ewan McGregor is going to uh, reprise his role. I'd be like, great. And then they surprise us with, oh, shit, Vader's in this, right? But for them to announce Hayden Christensen is back, that was the, if you look at the the, uh, the Instagram post, that was the lead bit. They didn't say uh, Ewan McGregor. Well, it's because we, that's the new information. I got you, but still, man, like, you don't, I think that is a little bit, a little bit much, right? And also, as I'm reading some of the uh, kind of the press clippings here, one of the things says the re- the rivals will come to blows, as has been confirmed. And my thing is kind of like, uh, you know, what I mean, like a new hope kind of makes it seem like Vader has been waiting a long time for this. Also, I think we're entering a situation where, like, how much is Hayden Christensen actually going to do? Because at the end of Revenge of the Sith, Vader's helmet goes on. Yes. So is he going to take it off? <laughs> are we, are we going to be in Mandalorian territory with that? Or like- I, I guess, I mean, like, we know that Vader takes his helmet off. He, ta- he takes it off when he's in his little meditation pod. He takes it off when he's in his back to tank. He takes it off. Like, it's not like a Mandalorian thing where he's like, I can never take it off. He, takes his, he actually takes his helmet off quite a lot because it's, as I understand it, uncomfortable. Obviously, he needs the mask to breathe, but, you know, it's kind of like you try to, balance out those two things another quote here from deborah chow is that this is quite a dark time that we're coming on to him just being a jedi it's not safe there's jedi hunters out there i took that to mean we're gonna get the inquisitors which is such a big part of star wars rebels first couple of seasons and obviously a big part of star wars fallen order video game the inquisitors are pretty badass these are force sensitive um jedi hunters for lack of a better term. Next up, Ahsoka, a limited series written by Dave Filoni, exec produced by Favreau and Filoni, starring Rosario Dawson, concurrent to The Mandalorian, due winter 2021, and presumably this will bring to life Grand Admiral Thrawn and Ezra Bridger, who we've discussed quite often on this podcast. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of cool that we went into all that detail now knowing that, yeah, they were headed for a spinoff. I don't know how I feel about this, to be honest. I like that at least that it's a limited series. I wondered, and now I think about it, like, I wondered if Ahsoka should have just been part of the Mandalorian world, or timeline, I should say, that vehicle, and that could have been a concurrent story, kind of a B story that's happening while, you know, Mando's doing whatever it is he does. But, uh, you know, I mean, I get it. Like, again, Ahsoka Tano is literally the most popular character to have not... appeared in one of the movies so i mean i remember going to star wars celebration and filoni came out talking about uh, i can't remember which i think he was coming out to talk about rebels it was kind of like a, a a rebels kind of review and he wore a shirt that said uh Ahsoka lives question mark and then they played a clip kind of like a remembrance of all the good times and then when the lights come back on he's wearing the same shirt but there's no question mark 
And everyone's like, oh, no, Ahsoka's going to survive. Oh, yeah, this is before Rebel, the last Rebel season. That's right. Because, obviously, spoiler alert, Ahsoka dies in Rebels, but and she's not dead. And that's enough spoiler that I'm going to give you there. So, I don't know. I get it. I guess I get it. I, I, I am interested to see that pursuit. I hear your thoughts. And so, that is a perfect transition to the next one, which is Rangers of the New Republic. Also exec <laughs> produced by Favreau and Filoni. Also concurrent to The Mandalorian. And presumably, this one is going to be about Cara Dune. <laughs> And maybe Grief Karga, also set for 2021. Yay! This is the greediness. We don't need two separate spinoff shows if they built it all into the original show. But they're spinning it off because more viewers, more products. Sure, 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 sure. And also, Gina Carano's not a good enough actor to carry. She's just not. She's really good at the role she's in because it's nice and small. It's like an NBA player who's asked to come in for 15 minutes, come in, get buckets, and leave. And they say, oh, that's awesome. Let's make him a starter and play him for 35 minutes. Then you realize, oh, yeah, I'm not really good at anything else, like defending or passing or moving without the ball or rebounding or any of the other stuff. All I do is clap for clap all, get it, go get buckets. And, you know, she's great in the role she's in right now because she comes in, she's the muscle, she beats people up, she's intimidating, quiet, smoldering intimidation. A whole show? I mean, y'all better cast the hell out of it so that she's just kind of the, almost like, you know what she needs to be? She needs to be Denise in a different world, right? You're there so that people, oh, I know you from that other hit show. Cool. She can do the handoff. And, and yeah, and then we have the handoff and then we don't need Denise anymore. Yeah, right now consider that a thumbs down for me like <laughs> i don't know if i'm gonna care but next up lando so we got mando and we got lando developed by justin simeon creator of dear white people and the biggest question will it be billy d williams will it be donald glover your favorite i mean or will it be someone new entirely if it's someone new entirely i suppose i'll have a little bit of flicker of hope if it's Billy D, then I got to ask, what are we doing here? <laughs> Again, I love Billy D, but is this thing shot? Is this supposed to be in the distant, distant future? Yeah. I mean, if you want to do it that way, sure. I don't know. I mean, is it Lando telling old stories about himself? <clears throat> if it's Donald Glover, I'll be very disappointed, but... <laughs> I'll watch either way. I think he's probably too busy, but we'll see if they can uh, pony up enough. Oh, uh, I thought we, uh, I, this is, uh, I mean, if Kathleen Kennedy were Amino Hassan, like, oh, we just thought you were too busy. Oh, sorry. Next up, Andor, created by Tony Gilroy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Starring Diego Luna, Stellan oh. Skarsgård, Adria Ariona. Fiona Shaw, Denise Goff, Kyle Soler, and Genevieve O'Reilly. Spy thriller set for 2022. They've already started filming it. Yep. Thumbs up and for also, me. I'm interested. You forgot Alan Tudyk reprising his role as ah, K2SO. Nice. The security protocol droid. And this is being billed as a, quote, rousing spy thriller, which will explore tales filled with espionage and daring missions. I love this. This is a, a strong thumbs up for me. Uh, I'm I'm really, really excited to watch this. 
my one request is I hope they make Diego Luna not just a badass, but also someone who toes the line between good and bad because he makes illusion in Rogue One of we've all done horrible things, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've all we've all had to make really hard decisions. So let's that see him. Suck. So let's see him exactly. You can't say that and then have him be like virtuous and shit like that. He's got to have like he's got to sell some people out. He's got to shoot somebody first, et cetera, et cetera. Great cast, though. I love the cast. And Tony Gilroy wrote Born Identity, Supremacy, Ultimatum, and Legacy. So and, and Rogue and, One. And yeah, he he he, he directed it. He polished it, and he also directed the uh, the rewrites and all that stuff that they did. We get the Born Identity in space with Diego Luna. I think that's yeah, pretty awesome. Finally, the Acolyte. Created by Leslie Headland, who co-created Russian Doll and made a great Jason Sudeikis movie, Sleeping with Other People. It is described as a mystery thriller that will take the audience into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era, which is Ooh. roughly 200 years before Phantom Menace. So I only have one question for you, Amin. Prime Yoda? Maybe. I suppose. Uh, I, I had not heard about this one. So this is this is you you're catching me out off guard right here. Yeah, this one is pretty much like or one of the movie projects that we'll talk about. It's like they've just attached Leslie Headland to a show. There's no timetable. It's in the beginning stages of development, but she's a really interesting writer and creator and so I trust what will come out of this. All right. Uh you're forgetting one more show. Well, there's, uh, then there's The Bad Batch, new animated yeah. series. Characters first introduced in Clone Wars. Then Visions, a series of anime short films, and a droid oh. story, which will introduce a new droid. Let's, 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 hold on. Let's, because one of these things is serious, and the other ones are kind of like, oh, a little offbeat, whatever. Bad Batch, this is, these are, uh, defective clones that basically formed like almost like a, an elite squad within the clone army. Uh, we've seen them. Uh, obviously, they were in the last season of uh, of the Clone Wars, uh, season seven. But this series is going to take them all the way through Order 66, which is obviously something that we haven't seen much of in Clone Wars because Clone Wars, most of it occurs, you know, before Order 66. We obviously saw it at the end of season seven with Ahsoka having to escape uh, her squadron or whatever of, of uh, clones that turned against her. Uh, I'm really excited about this. This is, you know, this is going to be, I think, a pretty good series. Uh, the, the Visions one is like one of those cool artsy thing, you know, that's a nod to the, the different influences that have helped with Star Wars over the years from anime and from Japanese film studios, but I mean, this isn't really, I don't think, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, I'm like, all right, I'll, again, I'll watch it, but I'm just like, all right. Well, it's just so they can say that they they have 10 projects, you know? It's like, also, we have this. It reminds me of the Animatrix, which was a series of short films that came out in between uh, Matrix and Matrix Reloaded. Sure. Uh, Droid Story, I, I, again, that's another one that I hadn't heard of. Gotta have a new droid. Gotta give the kids a new droid. Yeah, all right. Shout out to Christmas. New movies on the horizon. The all right. first announced new 
Star Wars movie since the end of the last trilogy. Rogue Squadron, directed by Patty Jenkins from Wonder Woman. The story will introduce a new generation of starfighter pilots as they earn their wings and risk their lives in a boundary-pushing high-speed thrill ride and move the saga into the future era of the galaxy set for Christmas 2023. Kind of was a little irritated by this one uh, because they made a whole big deal out of like, Patty Jenkins is in Star Wars! And I'm like, okay, great, what is it? Well, we can't tell you. It's about pilots, all right? I'm like, you know, <laughs> you gotta give me something. <laughs> I'm not getting excited over... I mean, like, look, when I heard The Mandalorian with Favreau and Dave Filoni, I was like, great. But, like, what's it about? I want to know what it's about. I'm really – and maybe it's just I, I'm not as familiar with Patty Jenkins' resume other than the Wonder Woman movies. Just thought Wonder, the first Wonder Woman was okay. I thought Wonder, the first Wonder Woman maze – was like when your kid has been scribbling nonsense. Yes. And then all of a sudden they get that first drawing that actually looks like something. You're like, oh, I'm putting it on the fridge. Yes, and the I'm, diamond in the rough. Yeah, like to DC comics, basically. DC movies have been awful. And then Wonder Woman was simply not bad. And that made it look like a fucking you know, tour de force. Wonder Woman 1984 does look fucking cool because it's a period piece. And so I'm here for it, but I haven't seen it yet. What else has Patty Jenkins done? She made Monster in 2003, which is the yep. Charlize Theron serial yep. killer movie. Yeah, that was a good movie, yep. And then she did Arrested Development, Entourage, The Killing, Betrayal for Wonder Woman. And I think okay. she was attached originally to a she was attached to a Marvel movie that she passed on or didn't right. end up doing and then she's yeah. attached to a cleopatra movie no oh, that should go well 2022 starring gal gadot oh i was gonna say star starring scarlett johansson as cleopatra <laughs> spoiler alert gal gadot is not black either throw she's, that out Isra- there. she's israeli i mean it's closer i get they're getting closer and closer i, I, it's, it's, I, I like, appreciate it's it. not as bad as by scarlett 2070 johansson. Emma Stone as Cleopatra. Real. Uh, no, uh, Anne Hathaway. <laughs> <laughs> She's got black hair, damn it. What more do you want? And finally, untitled Taika Waititi movie. Whenever he's done with Thor, God of Thunder, he will roll over to a Star Wars movie. The most in demand, most hilarious director in the game. Getting the blank check. He did do a... Uh... A uh, an episode or maybe more of the Mandalorian last year. Yeah, he was the finale, and he was the voice of IG Eleven. By the way, there's also something else that's happening. There is a new trilogy that's going to come out that Ryan Johnson, the filmmaker who who made Last Jedi, that everybody apparently some of the nerds hated. I loved it. Uh, he also made Knives Out, which is one of the best movies to come out in 2019. Uh, he's getting his own Star Wars trilogy, but we don't know much about it other than I think it's going to happen in the distant, distant past. There you have it. All the new Star Wars stuff that is that are confirmed. And it's going to be a great next five or six years for Star Wars fans, I believe. Um, I'm hoping that they're going to put the same time of effort and 
care into these projects that they put into the Mandalorian. Uh, from what I saw from the uh, Diego Luna project, the Andor Cassian Andor project, it is they're they're doing a lot of cool stuff with the uh, with the aliens and with the with the sets. So I'm very excited about that, and I'm excited about all of it. You know, even even as I like I sit here and I poo poo. Donald Glover for being Lando in an anime, you know, Star Wars Vision series and all that. I'm I'm excited for all of it because I want to watch it all. And the thing that you always have to keep in mind, no matter how much you don't like a certain Star Wars entry, just remember once they're made, they're canon. And so that means characters, that means places, that means all types of things that happen can and probably will be used somewhere else maybe in something that you like very much. So it's it's important to watch all of these so that you can have a certain kind of level of, of uh, understanding of what's happening. Yeah, and like we talked about a few weeks ago, as long as Filoni, and it looks like Favreau and Filoni, are involved in what looks like most of these, I think we can have good optimistic feelings about them handling it properly and not going like too far outside of the lines you know they have a plan yeah they have a plan and that's one of the important lessons disney has learned from the marvel movies is that having a plan helps all right let's get into chapter 15 of mando the believer written and directed by rick famuyiwa or famuya still don't know sorry rick previously did chapter two and chapter six directed the wood brown sugar and dope Guest starring Bill Burr as Miggs Mayfeld, Richard Brake as Valen Hess. I mean, you might recognize him as Joe Chill from Batman Begins. You might recognize him as the Night King. Season four and five of Game of Thrones. He did the Raise the Roof thing at Hardhome. Then, of course, Tamara Morrison as Boba Fett, Ming-Na Wen, Fennec Shan, Gina Carano, Cara Dune, and Giancarlo Esposito as Moff Gideon. Great episode. I thought we'd get a prison break, but... No. A lot simpler than that. <laughs> yeah, they just walked in and and fucking said, "Hey, hey, uh, you're on work release." That's it. We- Cara Dune's got enough clout already in the New Republic to just get him out of his Tie Fighter junkyard. There's also an ATAT crane in the background, just like at the docks. Yep, I like how they they repurposed everything from uh, from from the Empire to to make him into. Uh, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Functional, practical things for everyday life. After our discussion about painting armor, Boba's armor got a new paint job. He looks fantastic. Yeah. Kind of, you know what? Do you think it looks fantastic? I, I mean, it looked crisp. It looked crisp, but I kind of felt like, you know what? I, I, I think I'd rather, I'd rather if it were, you know, I like the, the scraped and kind of worn weathered armor before. Interesting. Like what it was in the beginning. It's another example of how this show is kind of like a video game. You know, new weapons, new armor, get your armor upgraded. That's what happened to Boba in between chapter 14 and 15. You know, for a second, I thought you were some other guy, Mayfeld says. Then Mando comes down. Mayfeld needs to access an internal Imperial terminal to get the location of Moff Gideon's cruiser, and he knows of one on a secret Imperial mining hub on Morak. Boba Exposition recognizes their mining Rhydonium. 
And no one on this ship is here for Bill Burr's banter, I mean. Yeah, no, they're, they're really not playing along with him, which kind of makes it funnier even. But uh, by the way, the Rhydonium has appeared multiple times in, in Star Wars lore. It happened in Clone Wars, uh, where there was a plot to blow up uh, a Republic ship. And uh, luckily, they obviously or avoided a plot. There was a conference. I guess it was a conference or something of, of that nature where a lot of high-ranking Republic strategists were going to be there, and they try to – separatists try to blow it up. Uh, Rhydonium is extremely explosive uh, and used also beyond for uh, – as a weapon, it's also used as fuel for the bigger starships. They're assessing the plan, and Mayfeld says that it's run by XISB, which is Imperial Security Bureau. All right. So before, before we go on, let me just uh, explain. ISB is basically the secret police – of the empire it's mm, like the, the KGB, the gestapo the kgb whatever you want to call them. uh we've seen several isb officers in uh in star wars lore uh, starting with wolf Ularen. he was uh the guy in white with a big mustache in the room when they're all arguing and and uh vader chokes out the one dude who thinks that the fucking force is fake which is a <laughs> famous last words um, and you know, um, uh, Graham, uh, Moff Tarkin walks in and says, the Senate has been abolished. The galactic Senate is no more. <clears throat> Wolf Ularen is in that room. Other ISB agents, uh, director Krennic. Oh, wow. One. Yep. He is an ISB agent as is, uh, agent Callus, who is the, uh, imp- imperial agent who defects and, and turns to the rebellion. After I can't remember what awful thing the Empire did, he was like, "I can't, I can't stand on this side anymore." And he defects. He becomes a double agent for the for the rebels uh, in Star Wars Rebels. So, shout out to the ISB getting a getting a shout out there. No one can risk getting scanned. Mando has to go. He has to wear the transport driver's armor. And in the scene where he gives Kara his armor to protect, I mean, he's picking up a little sexual tension. Were you? I was mostly because of Mayfeld interjecting with like, hey, we're still on the clock. Like, oh, yeah. Cut the chit chat. <laughs> they got lost in each other's eyes. Is that what you're saying? Well, in her eyes. Yeah. His <laughs> in eyes. his reflection. She got lost in her own eyes in his reflective visor. I don't know. I, I you're not picking that up at all. You don't think there's like an outside chance? No, because even, like the only sexual tension I've, I've noticed for him in two seasons is the chick on the rice paddy planet. And even mm. then he was yeah. just kind of like very uncomfortable. Like someone said that about, um, actually Mark Spears, shout out Mark Spears is undefeated. He's like, what about the girl from the prison break? The Twi'lek. Oh yeah. Well, she was very sexual, but Mando was not. Putting it down he was, yeah. I was like, there was no reciprocity there. It's just like, she, <laughs> I think that she enjoys kind of teasing him because he's, he seems like a square that doesn't, you know, I don't talk to women. Yeah, kind of monk-like, you know. And It's like the episode of uh, Always Sunny where Dee throws it at a priest who went to high school with her. Then there's an extended scene of Bill Burr talking to a silent Mando as they drive the transport. I don't know how you people wear those things, and by you people, I do mean Mandalorians. I love that whole silent car ride because Bill Burr is just Bill Burring it up. He's going full Bill Burr, and, and Mando is just sitting there just kind of like ignoring him. 
They see the wreckage of previous transports and drive through a small village. Empire, New Republic, it's all the same to these people. Invaders on their land is all we are. And he says Mandalore and Alderaan no longer exist. And then he starts questioning Mando's code. Seems your rules change when you get desperate. Can you not take off your helmet or can you not show your face? Which is it, Mando? I I love it. I love him pointing out all the uh, inconsistencies in an incredibly incredibly dogmatic way of life, right? Overzealous almost, right? Like zealot in the purest version of the word. Like Mando is like, what? at what point, what point does survival outrank your silly little rituals? This episode really gave Mayfeld a lot more texture. Definitely. I mean, he's still wise. He's still wisecracking and all that. But it is the texture of someone who once worked somewhere and did something and then became jaded by it and now is jaded towards all sorts of structure or dogma or, you know, following a certain code. It's all, in Mayfeld's eyes, it's all just bullshit that people at the top shovel down to the people at the bottom to keep them in line. Yeah, because so much of Star Wars exists in this kind of grand sweeping good versus evil, empire versus the rebellion, broad strokes. But then Mayfeld is coloring in the perspective of one of the peons, one of the people caught in this galactic battle. Yes, absolutely. Juggernaut 3 and 4 get attacked and explode. Then some pirates on makeshift speeders show up. They're trying to blow up the transports with thermal detonators. And then the video game sequence starts. Mando goes up on the roof and fights off wave after wave of pirates. And by the way, discovers this shit is a lot harder when you don't have Beskar. Yes. Great moment when he gets hit and he actually is like, oh, ow. My my super expensive armor is not here right now. Mayfeld shouts, you should have left me in prison. There's also the moment when the blaster jams. Because he has to use the Imperial Blaster. And he takes out 16 total pirates, I mean. You counted. I counted. On the second watch, I was like, let's let's count this up. Right when he takes out the last one, five more speeders full of pirates appear. And they all all go with the thermal detonators. They all got him. Mando sighs and gets his dukes up kind of like John Wick. He's like, all right, some more. But as they cross a bridge, TIE fighters come in, blow the pirates to shit. They enter the refinery and are celebrated. Mayfeld has a comment about being happy to see stormtroopers. Yeah. Not only stormtroopers, did you notice what else we had out there? Oh, yes, the shore troopers. The shore troopers from Scarif, who like the special stormtrooper. I got to say, you got to be real lucky if you got shore trooper duty. Because that means... That means you're serving at the beach. They're the Baywatch of the yeah. <laughs> Imperial Fleet. Yep, yep, yep. Coast Guard. One would ask why that the Empire would need specific stormtroopers for the beach. But maybe their specialized armor protects against sand, which as everyone knows is coarse, rough. It's irritating. It gets everywhere. <laughs> I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating. 
and it gets everywhere. Not like here. Here everything is soft and smooth. Is that fucking Hayden Christensen? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> Complaining about sand. I hate the sand. It's coarse, <laughs> rough, it's irritating, and it gets everywhere. I mean, what are you supposed to do with stupid lines like that, George? I, I know, I know. Look, the guy's a genius and also really not a good dialogue writer. Not everyone is Quentin Tarantino, ladies and gentlemen. So they're being celebrated. Clearly, there are not many successful transport runs yeah. on this planet. They locate a terminal in the officer's mess hall. And Mayfeld doesn't want to go in there because his former commanding officer, Valen Hess, is sitting there. Mando says he'll do it himself. Ask for the data stick, but you need to have your face scanned in order to get on the network. So he takes his helmet off, and we see Pedro Pascal's face. Only the second time in this series so far. And this one is kind of an extended bit. Yep. And my question is, why does the scan work? I thought about the same thing. So, And, like, does Moff Gideon have facial recognition data on Mando now. I guess that doesn't really matter. Yeah. But <laughs> for a guy who's so off the grid and works so hard to to keep everything secret, it's it's weird he would consent to a face scan. But I guess he misses the kid, you know? And also, I, I think to myself, or does he have a, a past that we don't know about? Right. Yet? That's the other possible part. Was, you know, was there some connection to the Empire? Is he already in the database somehow? Right. Exactly. Yep. Valen Hess approaches Mando, asks for his TK number. TK number. Hey, everyone loves a TK number. TK number is basically your code uh, for stormtroopers. No one knows what the TK stands for. Just know that everyone's got a TK number. It starts with the new hope when uh, they fuck up the guys in the control room and then someone says, hey, I heard some things going on up there. Uh uh, TK, da da da. Why have you left your post, et cetera, et cetera? Later on, when they, they go and they are trying to break the princess out of the detention center, uh, someone asks about, "Wait, what were those explosions?" And Han Solo says, "We're fine. We're all fine. Uh, how are you doing?" And the guy asks the guy on the line, says, "Who is this? What is your TK number?" And Han shoots the <laughs> shoot the console that says, "I wasn't in the mood for a conversation anyway." Luke, we're gonna have company. We've got company. It's another another uh, permutation maze of the infamous line. We've got company. The most overused line in the history of movies. Mayfeld comes to save the day with his expertise bullshitting. Says Mando has bad hearing. Yeah, because of when his ship lost pressure in Tanab. Yes. More on that later. He also references TPS reports. Shout out to Lumberg. She's, of course, an office space shout out. Yeah. yeah. Lumberg. <laughs> um, yeah. Gonna need you to come in on Saturday. That's a very cool thing about The Mandalorian is that it will make obvious references to regular movies and TV shows. And that's just kind of, kind of fun to see. Also, uh, alluding to something that we talked about when we talked about Rogue One, a lot of the Empire is just like any other big organization. There's a lot of fucking red tape and bureaucracy and bullshit. And so 
Mayfeld as a former Imperial officer or, you know, a marksman or whatever is no doubt very familiar with all the ridiculous bullshit that they have to do when they do stuff, which makes it an excellent lie to get out of talking to someone that you don't want to talk to. Hess suspensely reveals after a minute that he wants to have a drink with them. We see Kara and Fennec planning the exit route. Mayfeld proposes a toast to something you mentioned last week, I think, Operation Cinder, I mean. Yeah, yeah. He was in Burnin' Con. Yes, Operation Cinder, which was the contingency plan that the Emperor were ever to be struck down for them to destroy a bunch of shit so that the rebellion could not take it over, you know, in good working condition so that the first order could then go somewhere else and, uh, and, um, regroup or whatever you want to call it. Um, the, uh, the other, the thing, this scene reminded me of, and I don't know if it's on purpose or if it's just very similar maze Inglorious bastards. Mm. Yeah. The tension of impersonating the officers, yeah. Yes. And they're sitting there and the guy keeps talking. But the funny thing in this scene is that instead of them giving themselves away by not being able to answer questions, instead it is Mayfeld who has a bone to pick with his former commanding officer about the shit that they were asked to do uh, as part of Operation Cinder and killing not only civilians, innocent civilians, but also many of his own uh, fellow troops died during this. So it, it really, it's a very, it's an awkward scene and it's a funny scene because you see Mando keep looking at him like, motherfucker, all right, let it go, drop it. And it's also, as I said, a scene that really gives us a lot more texture to Migs Mayfeld. And Richard Brake is... Oh, he's great. Perfectly kind of weird looking and has a really creepy voice. So when he says, when when Mayfeld says a whole division was lost, five to 10,000 people without blinking, Hess goes, all heroes of the empire. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things where he's trying to give Mayfeld the exit window of like, yeah, we feel sad that they died, but it was all worth it. And Mayfeld, of course can't leave it alone he keeps pushing it you see boys everybody thinks they want freedom but what they really want is order and that made me think of the first order there you go mayfeld is triggered and shoots hess then they have to blast their way out of there they climb outside and up to the roof fennec and car providing sniper support as they're flying away on slave one mayfeld shoots the rhydonium and blows up maybe the whole refinery by the way with a cycler rifle Cycler rifle, which is often used by Tuscan Raiders. Yes, sir. Boba takes out two TIE fighters with a seismic charge. The seismic charges that Boba Fett used are the same exact ones that Jango Fett used when he was trying to blow up Obi-Wan in Attack of the Clones. In the asteroid field. Yeah, when he, when they were Obi-Wan was hot on his trail. Car decides to let him go and file some more paperwork, some faulty paperwork, that he died in the explosion. And then, at the very end, Gideon receives a hologram message from Mando. It is pretty much the exact same message that he received from Gideon in Chapter 7. Some nice symmetry there. You have something I want. You may think you have some idea what you were in possession of, but you do not. Soon he will be back with me. 
He means more to me than you will ever know. I thought that was kind of corny, to be honest. Yeah, why would you give away your plan? Why not use the element of surprise in this case? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Maze, uh, any any other kind of little bits that we wanted to touch on here? That didn't come out the way I wanted it to. Any other pieces of interesting information that we wanted to cover? Mayfeld refers to Grogu as Mando's little green friend. Palpatine called Yoda his little green friend before they fight in Revenge of the Sith. Slave One operates like a gyroscope. Yes, we finally saw how that looks on the inside. Yeah, when they're sitting on the deck and it's all spinning around them. Yeah, I thought that was pretty fucking cool, yeah. While covering for clearly in over his unmasked head, Din Djarin, Miggs Mayfeld says that his commanding officer suffered hearing loss while in a battle at Tanab. This is a really deep cut reference to a line spoken by Lando Calrissian in Return of the Jedi. When Han Solo sees Lando at the All Hands Rebel briefing, he comments on his promotion to general. Lando responds that it may be because of his maneuver at the Battle of Tanab. That's right. He does say that. Mayfeld references Operation Cinder and Burn and Khan, which is also in the Battlefront 2 video game. Yes, it is. That's how I know about Operation Cinder. And then in addition to the shore troopers, there's also some Imperial gunners running around. Yes, those are the guys with the weird big helmets that are by the Death Star laser, uh, which seems entirely unsafe work conditions <laughs> the, to be the guy right by the fucking laser as it shoots out yeah and all they do is just shield their eyes just turn away just look the other way i kind of feel like a laser powerful enough to destroy an entire planet maybe shielding your eyes isn't enough i got a prediction for next episode what's that so we've got mando boba fennec and Kara right on slave yep. one that's four and there's another character out there who's not too fond of Moff Gideon, and that's Bo-Katan. She's yes. got the Night Owls. I'm thinking they link up. It's time for the Magnificent Seven. They're trying to get the, yeah, they got to go get the the Dark Saber back. The the blade that is rightfully the, the property of whoever rules Mandalore. And Bo-Katan wants to rule Mandalore, even though Mandalore is... We still need to see what the fuck Mandalore looks like right now, right? Yeah, because we get that comment from Mayfeld here that it doesn't exist anymore. So it, right. it, not that it's destroyed necessarily like Alderaan, but it's not what it once was. It's like extermination. But in a couple of episodes ago, Mando says you can't go back. To, remember when Bo-Katan says we're going back to Mandalore and he says you can't go to There's nothing on Mandalore. He's very kind of like adamant that there's nothing Mandalore is done. So uh, that should be very interesting maze. One of the things I've, I did uh, this weekend maze, you'll like this. I, uh, I looked up a map of the star Wars galaxy to try and figure out where all of these things are in relation to one another. And while I was doing that maze, I found a website that allows you to Google map search the star Wars map. <laughs> okay. You got a, you got an internal terminal that's connected. Yes. I, and it did a face scan for me. The, the cool thing about looking up the maps, by the way, maze is that you can, a lot of these maps will have the hyperspace routes on them, the hyperspace lanes. 
And that's basically how people are traveling from one end of the galaxy to the other. It's also why Jakku, which technically isn't that far from Coruscant, is considered the middle of nowhere because there are no hyperspace lanes that go to Jakku. Same with Octo, same with Mortis, same with Exegol, uh, same with a lot of these other kind of uh, planets. Uh, Mandalore, by the way, no, um, no direct route to it, but comes close. It's close to Dathomir and close to Yavin 4. Uh, Kessel, now Hutta. I mean, it, it, it's all of these planets are on a map somewhere. And that's the kind of the weirdest thing about this, this damn, damn show and this damn universe, really cinematic universe, is that there's an actual map where you can find all of these things. It's pretty awesome. I mean, so you're saying Jakku is a little bit off the interstate. It's one of those planets or one of those places. Like, there's no interstate nearby. you got to go and take, like, local roads basically to get to it and that's why it's you know that's why <laughs> she you know uh she's when uh ray says i'm from nowhere and luke skywalker says no everyone's from somewhere and she says i'm from jakku <laughs> he says okay that that is, that is pretty much nowhere well man i think that covers it. this is a pretty long episode we gave people a little view of what's to come in the Star Wars galaxy and uh, our usual uh, usual Mando wrap-up. Uh, do you think next week is going to be our last episode, please? I would imagine so. I mean, this is it. This is the the ultimate episode of Season 2. We're here. Right. Well, then I guess I should get on that, that guest that I promised. Huh? I mean, we, need, we need something before Christmas 2021. So... All right, we'll see about this guest. All right. Thor Anthony Mays. I mean, this has been Darth. I mean, Rule of Two.